ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of Straight Talking English. I am your host, Catherine, STR8 Talk English on Twitter. You can find basically everything I do on straighttalkingenglish.co.uk. You can buy my books, buy my books. I've got them done, the full context of Jekyll and Hyde, Christmas Carol, Sign of Four, of Mice and Men, and both halves of the AQA poetry, though lol. Since the government has decided uh, as of this week that you only have to do two out of the three, you don't have to do Inspector Calls and the modern one, 19th century and a poetry, hopefully you guys will still buy my book since I've done the poetry and the 19th century. So all I can say is I've made some really good choices. You can look on YouTube and you can see my context videos and I promise I will do some over my time off on the summer hollybobs. <laughs> Alright, so as ever over the summer I go on a hiatus as it were for my proper series. It gives my brain a chance to rest. Otherwise I get so deep into the research hole and believe me I'm working on the gothic series and it is all about death, death, destruction and hating on foreigners. So I need a little bit of a break. Therefore over the summer we do the Ask Me Anything series for the last month or so. I've been taking questions from people and I've cherry picked the ones which might be the most interesting to you. So obviously when I say cherry picked some people get priority in the queue and since this is the second question I am answering today it is from my sister Rebecca who has asked me a question she wants to know what is magic realism and that's a very good question so I'm tall kind of chunky short dark hair though I've bleached a massive streak in it at the moment and my sister is short curvy beautiful blue eyes beautiful long hair and we look very different but there's a lot of things that we have in common and one of which is that we both love the genre of book called magic realism so I'm really glad that she picked this question and obviously as she is my little sister she gets her question answered so easy peasy it's a genre of literature that depicts the real world as having an undercurrent of magic or fantasy bang done two minutes in later no 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 there's way more i can tell you about magic realism than that and i'm happy to do so so within a work of magic realism the world is still our real world but there's elements of fantasy which are considered normal so like a fairy tale it sort of blurs the lines between real life and fantasy without sort of jumping straight into fantasy. The term magisherialismus, which translates to magic realism, was first used in 1925 by the arts critic Franz Rohr in his book Nach Expressionismus Magischer Realismus. Did I not mention that I speak German? I speak German pretty fluently. Uh, originally talking about an art movement. So instead of realism in painting, this term emphasizes how magical and strange normal objects can appear in the real world when you stop and look at them. Like, have you ever just stopped and paused and stared at something? Like, isn't it really weird that we have like ground down bits of glasses in a plastic or metallic frame that we attach to our faces to compensate for deficiencies in eyesight? Bit weird. The genre grew in popularity 
in South America when this Bros book was translated into Spanish in 1927. It went via Cuba. It went all over. 1955 it comes back. The literary critic Angel Flores coined the term. He named the Argentinian author Jorge Luis Borges as the first magic realist, even though people's be fighting over this, who was the first magic realist, and it's kind of a political thing. I'll get into the politics in a moment. We are arguing it might be Borges. However, there have been other stories, other authors, who have written about mundane situations but fantastical elements. My example is, of course, Franz Kafka's The Metamorphosis. Oh, gosh. So I'm going to take a detour and tell you about Franz Kafka's The Metamorphosis. Basically, this dude called Gregor wakes up and he's turned into a massive bug. And no one, like, bats an eyelid. And he's, like, twitching around. I'm a massive bug. And everyone's like, oh, hi, Gregor. Come and sit down for breakfast. And he's just, like, a bug. If you ever find yourself in Prague, by the way, the Kafka Museum is blooming excellent. It is absolutely fab. So we would argue in 1915, Kafka is getting in on this game. It's magic realism is well important to South America. It's critically read as a genre of being politically subversive, of going in the underground, of talking about changing the political landscape, usually for the better. I don't know a lot about Latin American political history, not as much as I should, but... It's a chance for people to show an alternative to an accepted reality. This is a tool that can be used against political regimes. We can argue that it's a natural fit for Latin America because indigenous communities don't necessarily draw a fixed line between the natural and the supernatural. So the way an indigenous person may express themselves is already within magic realism. Gabriel Garcia Marquez, who I love, who I'm going to ramble about in a minute, says that surrealism comes from the reality of Latin America. That sums up several of the major political issues that stem out of magic realism. The first being that fantasy has always been a part of the Latin American perspective. Magic realism is not a colonial idea from Europe. It also proclaims a nationalistic sentiment. Latin America has a culture, a life and a purpose just outside of being like someone else's colony. So in the 60s, when we've got the Cold War going on, as people are beginning to like assert their own national identities, Latin America was using magic realism to do this. Someone like Garcia Marquez is telling the story of people on the fringes of society, much like our good friend Steinbeck with of mice and men. And that intrinsically becomes a criticism of political power and influential people. Magic realism implicitly criticises society, especially the elites, because it tells stories of people without wealth instead of focusing on the hoi polloi, the upper class. People have used it to talk about anti-imperialism, to talk about Marxism, to talk about feminism and believe me I've got a question coming up about intersectionality and I'm gonna get onto all that stuff but what unites these perspectives and magic realism is we're talking about people from outside of 
the mainstream. It distorts reality. It distorts the very fibre of the prose. So we start to question what is real, what is not real, and opens up avenues of reality that we didn't think about. The reality we could be talking about could be family, mental, emotional, could be society. So how do you know you've got a magic realism novel in front of you? Well, if it says Gabriel Garcia Marquez on the front, you probably have. (laughs) But you're flicking through, you've got a setting in the real world. Maybe it's not a part of the world that's familiar to you. Maybe it's Brazil. Maybe it's the Antarctic. Maybe it's Australia. I don't know, but some part of the world is familiar and real. There are fantastic elements that are presented as normal. So you've got an object that talks to you. You've got a dead character that talks to you. You've got something fantastic that's just normal and standard. The magic is not explained. It's just normalised. It's just like this is a thing, a thing that happens. And the odds are... It doesn't really follow your typical narrative. It doesn't typically have your beginning, middle and end. It just sort of wibbles around. It's kind of intense because you don't know where the plot's going to go forward or where it's going to go back. My example for that is Toni Morrison's Beloved, which is a tremendously powerful book, but feel emotionally strong before you read it because it's it's awful and if you are sensitive to mentions of slavery and or sexual violence then maybe like take some breaks when you're reading it but the narrative shifts in time and there's also a woman who speaks to the ghost of the man who abused her it is a fantastic example of it brilliant book but it will mess with your mind Anyway, let's talk about 100 Years of Solitude, which is basically one of my favourite books. So, when I lived in China, uh, which I did for three years, I did not have a great selection of reading material. It was either books that my international colleagues had, like, left behind when they left, or someone said, like, hey, do you want a copy of this? Or it was what I could get at the English language bookshop, which was either, like, teeny bestsellers, like Twilight, which was big at the time, showing my age, or it was like great works. And they had all of those Wordsworth classics in the uh, dark blue covers for about £4 each. So I ended up having this really weird, eclectic reading for three years. And I devoured A Hundred Years of Solitude, which my Portuguese friend gave me in one sitting. It is tremendous. So you've got seven generations of the Buendia family in the town of Macondo. He, the the husband and wife emigrate there and they dream of a city of mirrors which reflects the world inside and about it. Our hero, Jose Arcadio Buendia, decides to establish Macondo as a real place at the riverside. After wandering the jungle, it's like utopia. He believes Macondo to be surrounded by water and from that island he invents the the world according to his perceptions. Soon after his foundation, Macondo becomes a town frequented by unusual and extraordinary events which involve the generations of the Buendia family who are unable or unwilling to escape their periodic and self-inflicted misfortunes. For years the town is solitary and unconnected to the outside world except for the ex- with the exception of an annual visit of a band of gypsies 
who show the townspeople technology, such as magnets, telescopes, and ice. And they bring this massive block of ice into the jungle. And honestly, the chapter describing that is absolutely brilliant. If you can find an extract of it, like, please, please read it. The leader of the gypsies maintains a close friend with the patriarch, who becomes increasingly withdrawn. Obsessed with investigating the mysteries of the universe, he goes mad, speaks only in Latin, and is tied to a chestnut tree by his family for many years until his death. Eventually, the town becomes exposed to the outside world, and the government of newly create and the government of newly independent Colombia. There is a rigged election. There is a civil war. Our patriarch's son becomes an iconic revolutionary leader. Then he becomes disillusioned and makes tiny goldfish in his workshop. Eventually the railroad comes. An American company builds a banana plantation. Everyone's happy until there is a tragedy and the Colombian army massacre thousands of plantation workers. Only one person survives finds no evidence of the massacre, and the surviving townspeople refuse to believe it happened. By the end of the novel, Macondo has fallen into a decrepit state, with only two people from the family living there. Nobody talks about how they related, so they have an incestuous relationship. Their child is born with the tail of a pig. Um, and the child is devoured by ants, which is a prophecy at the start of the book that one day when you start Macondo, your family will be eaten by ants and it is this half pig child. However, the secret message is found informing the recipient of every misfortune the family's generations lived through and then a wind destroys the manuscript and nothing else will ever last. Oh, it's a fabulous book. There's a bit where this um this girl essentially becomes a saint and just flies off into the sky and everyone's like, cool, that's fine. If you like the sound of a bit of magic realism, if I haven't sold you on 100 Years of Solitude, you might like Midnight's Children by Salmon Rushdie or my sister's favourite, Love in the Time of Cholera which is another brilliant one. Check those out. Check out some magic realism. Broaden your horizons literarily. Find a new book this summer and <laughs> and enjoy it. I'm about to read a book called The Beetle, which actually outsold Dracula when it was written. It was a contemporary of Dracula that never got the public recognition it deserved, in which an ancient Egyptian beetle god comes to England and eats people, which I'm greatly enjoying. So thank you. Thank you very much for listening to our little mini episode. Next week, I will return with another AMA. Will I answer a question on Shakespeare? Will I answer a question about intersectionality? I haven't decided yet, but... I will see you then. I am Catherine STR8 Talk English on Twitter, straighttalkingenglish.co.uk. Buy my books, check out my YouTube, and I'll see you in a week.